I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We're coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm podcast for June 3rd, 2016, and today we are talking about generations. So today at lunch, uh, Scott and I were talking a little bit about, um, well, I was asking if he considered himself Generation X. Word. Right? Because it's um, like the wrong thing to say if you're Generation X. The actual, no, I think the actual response would be, meh. No, that's a millennial <laughs> thing, isn't it? No. Generation X goes back yeah. that far? Yeah, Lisa I Simpson. I remember seeing Meh recently. Lisa Simpson. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's where it started? Yes. That's probably pre-Generation X, isn't it? Well, whether or not she's pre-Generation... I mean, you know, we could get into the debate about what Generation Bart and Lisa Simpson are. I mean, that's a whole what other about issue. about Matt <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, is that in the episode where Homer goes, uh, what do they call it, Hullabalooza, uh-huh. um, he's talking to Lisa about something, and she says... Something about her being a member of Generation X, which is defined by sort of in uh, not being moved by things or being really neither experiencing highs nor lows. And he says, really, what's that like? And she says, meh. So she identifies in that episode as Generation X. Of course, that was 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Which points to the ambiguity of these generations. There was a a point to that little rant. (laughs) And the slippage. Right? Because yeah. when that was coming out, kids who identified with that were already not Generation X. Possibly. No, I mean, that episode came out probably like... I actually have no idea when that came out. I won't speculate. Right, because Simpsons started around 89, Nevertheless, 90. Get yourself the person who were the, person, the persons who were identifying with that episode mm-hmm. were not the same age as Lisa is on the episode. Right. They would have already been adults. Because that mm-hmm. show is geared toward adults, right? So mm-hmm. their audience would have been kids who were in their... 20s or whatever when that episode came out which might have been to generation x i, I don't right, right, right. i don't i, I should have done i clearly should have done more research before we started recording well i didn't know you're going to talk about that uh, a failure already we're anyway already two minutes in i think we're i think we're pretty <laughs> much generation x <laughs> regardless of lisa simpson harry and i identify right. generation right. and x. this is a very generation x way maybe of approaching it too um of re- making reference to pop culture and television right. shows right Especially The Simpsons. The defining feature of our generation. (laughs) If you haven't noticed that already. Um, We don't get out much. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and so we're, you know, about three years apart. And I think I personally very much identify with Generation X. um, And I think kind of where that conversation led was that I personally feel like I don't feel like many other people of my generation are around me in the temple. Right. And as a minister, that um, I feel very much alone. And um, I'm realizing that there are other people my age in the temple, but they're very much um, parents and they're um, Dharma school parents and their kids are kind of elementary school, junior high school. Right. And uh, like I've had a bunch of high school kids graduate and I feel like their parents were definitely older than me. Um, and so, so just kind of um, that was part of it, like realizing that. Uh, identifying in like a certain generation and that I'm, I feel very alone. And yet we're, as much as we're around the same age, we've also had very different experiences. 
right? And that my father was born in 1929, which makes me, him a very old parent for a Generation X kid, and that your grandmother was born in 1929. <laughs> I think she was. Right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And actually, a lot of my members, their parents are passing away, and I notice where their parents were born because you know, I asked for birth date. And so that's another thing, too, yeah. like realizing, whoa, your parent was born like two years before my dad, but you're like 10, 15 years older than me. Right, right. Right? So I always felt like I was on, like, not the norm. Yeah. I mean, your parents were much older when they had you. My yeah. parents were super young when they had me. Mm-hmm. Um, so but my grandparents as well. Um, but also just experience, right? I mean, you know, I spent my entire life in California, whereas you spent a lot of time not just in the United States, but also in Europe and uh, Japan, right. most formidably. Formidably. Right, 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 right. Formatively. Formatively. Um, so formidably. <clears throat> formidably. <laughs> <laughs> which which speaks to the sort of the complications of generations, because another thing we we're talking about before was at lunch was this thing of, you know. We, you and I can both identify folks who might be the same age as us, but they might not have been born or raised in America, and so mm-hmm. their cultural reference are not necessarily the same. Right. And Which, that was a big difference for me, too, leaving the country in 1982 and being gone for six years. You missed MacGyver, man. I missed MacGyver. I missed Knight Rider. <laughs> Although maybe missed, missed a is a strong word there. <laughs> One thing I got was different strokes, although it was several years Oh, you got different back. strokes. Well, I grew up on that. Like, it was already happening before I left. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, that was, you know, that was formative for most of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That defined who we are as individuals. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we were talking about how, like, Gilligan's Island. And, like, I remember growing up that Gilligan's Island was on in reruns and um, the Brady Bunch. Uh, Tom and Jerry. Um, we still had Saturday morning cartoons, so Tom and Jerry, but also um, all the Warner think, Brothers stuff. I think they still have Saturday morning cartoons. Not like in the old days. No, they it's, do. They're just different cartoons. But it's not the same. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's kind of interesting. I think it's the same, only worse. It's different. I mean... Because <laughs> if you think about it, most Saturday morning cartoons were pretty much a toy delivery platform. No, not the yes. old ones. Not oh, Bugs yeah. Bunny. Yeah. What Bugs Bunny toy did you have? You were watching Bugs Bunny Saturday morning? Yeah, but see, that's for my dad. My dad, see, that's the thing. Bugs Bunny. You were oh, up, I see. You were up super early because I was watching G.I. Joe and the Smurfs, man. Right. Which were extended commercials to go out and buy the toys. You're right. <laughs> no, see, so that's why I'm weird. So I'm kind of Generation X, but not. Like, not American Generation X. No, I think it's X. just that you're weird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, this is going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I'm learning more and more about myself every minute. Uh, <laughs> this isn't really an episode. This is like a therapy session, right? right. <laughs> delving deep into our... <laughs> but it's true. You're right. Because like, my memory of Saturday morning cartoons is Bugs Bunny. Because mm-hmm. that's what my dad liked. So I think that's what my dad let me watch. Right. Um, and maybe they were on earlier. And I didn't... Oh, you know what else I missed? Transformers. You missed Transformers? I never watched Transformers as a kid. Wow. I don't know why not. Maybe because my dad was like, oh, Warner Brothers is over. Because your dad recognized that that literally was. Transformers only existed to sell you toys. Like, there was no... But I did get sold toys, but Star Wars. Well, yeah, of course. We all did. That was the only... Yeah. Like, the only toy tie-in I really got was Star Wars. But but I think literally Transformers didn't exist as a thing. Right. Prior to the toys, I think that it existed as a thing in order to sell toys. Right, I think, and I might no, just I think be you're right. yeah. conspiracy was theory crazy person, but I'm, I I'm pretty sure that yeah. American toy manufacturers are like, oh, 
this robot transforming thing that's big in Japan, we can turn that into a cartoon for American kids and sell them cars that turn into dinosaurs because American kids will buy anything. Isn't that a later generation Transformers? I had one. Really? Yeah. Cool. It was awesome. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> See, you missed out. Yeah. I'm telling you. Well, I, but the trade-off was I got to live in Japan for six years. Whatever. So I can't complain. <laughs> Um, like that makes up for not having a transforming robot. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I had like Shogun Warriors. Ah, you showed me up. <laughs> you win. I had a diecast <laughs> King Ghidorah. See, oh, I also yeah, grew up with um, yeah. um, what was it called? Creature Double Feature. Right, right, right. Yeah. Late seventies mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. when it was in the Boston area. I'm sure early eighties too. So I actually grew up on Godzilla movies too, mm-hmm. which was yeah. great in English. Um, but revisiting those in Japanese has been really interesting yeah. too. So that's part of my ethnicity, my my <laughs> ethnic your cultural heritage. Yeah, I was able to like identify with my cultural heritage through Godzilla. <laughs> Which I, I told think you, this actually, is this is this is very much like therapy. See, we're getting yeah, someplace yeah, really yeah. important here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, no, I I'm, I'm happy to be actually. here with you and as you're going through this process. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, it's really interesting because I watched a lot of Godzilla movies as a kid before moving to Japan, and then I got to be in that environment that was destroyed in the Godzilla <laughs> movies. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that they they were actually just destroyed though. I think those were like movie sets. Wait. <laughs> Godzilla's not real. So anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so we talked about, um, it was a fun lunch, and um, obviously. And uh, we talked about, I think a little more about our experience, our kind of shared but different experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. as being kind of same generation uh, or similar generation, and yet totally different right. at the same time. Um, and, and then and, and, and of, interesting, because we, we didn't talk about Godzilla, and I think that's actually oh, yeah. interesting because... I also rem- remember vividly growing up on Japanese movies and thinking they were hilarious and like mm-hmm. um, Godzilla and all that whole genre, mm-hmm. um, but a much different experience of that, right? And mm-hmm. like not really having a connection to that on that level of like mm-hmm. these being you know Japanese movies from whatever, right? It was just sort of like oh, funny monster movie, mm-hmm. and Mothra, and rah, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, so interesting, even when there is a. <clears throat> A point of connection. I might have some like different, different references. Yeah, and different meanings, yep. and you know. So. Yep. And whether they really meant that to me back then, oh, um, or if you're not like rereading history or whatever. Well, like revisiting those yeah, was yeah. really significant because, like, when I was a kid, I didn't understand Japanese. As an adult, I learned Japanese and can watch those oh, in Japanese, right. kind of, and yeah. appreciate them on a so, different level. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites is um, Island of the Mushroom People, <laughs> um, which freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> like as a 10-year-old, that's freaky. It's a yeah. crazy movie. And I found it when I went for grad school in Japan. It's called Matango. It's a Japanese name. And that's the name of the mushroom thing, mm-hmm. Matango, which is totally different than Island of the Mushroom People. It's, I don't know. And um, it's actually supposedly like a cultural critique kind yeah. of film. Like it has this... Aren't they all? <laughs> but this one especially because I think well in a way it's kind of Gilligan's Island in a way in that sense of like these yeah. people of different social status on a boat end up stranded on an island hmm. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yet it probably came out before 
or around the same time as Gilligan's Island, so it was kind of a theme in right. the 60s. Of well, being I mean, I'm joking, lost but, but I'm, sort of ser- I'm sort of serious. Like the original Godzilla movie, like yeah. the very, oh, very, 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 so. yeah, very yeah. first one is like this sort of deeply serious, dark, black and white film that is obviously a critique on, you know, modern science and the atomic age and whatnot. And yeah. It's like heavy handed and whatnot. But I remember like. But less so than the later ones. Six or eight, eight years ago or whatever, they played it at the Castro in San Francisco mm-hmm. and we went and saw it and it was like, whoa, yeah. this is totally different from my experience of, of watching these movies on you know Saturday morning television, wait, 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 wait. you know, where it's the more recent, you know, 70s, 80s, whatever, monster movies that are dubbed in mm-hmm. English and you know that's the sort of thing we make fun of and whatever and it's like they're campy and goofy they're more like I think late 60s early 70s yeah yeah, yeah. Mothra and right. Smog Monster well I mean they made the whatever but uh, I you mean know. they've been making them up until now <laughs> until but, now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know a very different sort of experience than mm-hmm. that original first one which was like what like mid 50s or whatever and it's mm-hmm. this like very serious yeah 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 yeah. Now, did you see the... And creepy and scary. Did you see the original Japanese one or the original American one? The original one? Japanese one. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. the American one has um, Burr. Um, Aaron Burr. Uh, Aaron, no. Aaron <laughs> Burr? Isn't that his name, Burr? Who played... No, Aaron um, Burr is the guy who shot down a lot of hammer. Right. Who's that? Um, um, he was... Um, uh, Raymond Burr? Raymond Burr. <laughs> they edited him in. I get those guys confused. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, what character did he play? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, the, the lawyer. The lawyer, or the um, yeah, he's a lawyer, I think. And um, so they put him into the original yeah, when they yeah. put it out in the, ori- in the beginning. So they interact, interspersed all these English language sections. Right. No, no, no. When I saw the Castro, it was like the original, uncut Japanese. Japanese okay, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Totally, totally. Godzilla versus King Kong, not so much. <laughs> So I think we're done. Okay. It's been a good episode. Yep. Next episode, we'll talk about... No. Oh, no, um, wait. <laughs> but thinking about our generation, and we men- I mentioned, you know, that I feel very much alone generationally, um, and part of it is cultural, that, like, the people who are my age grew up in the Bay Area, I have a feeling, most of them, mm-hmm. that, that I encounter, and so had Within very, your community. Yeah, within yeah, yeah. the um, temple, and um, that they um, had fairly different experiences than I had. Um, and my experience is um, uh, different yeah. in the sense that I got to be in Japan. And so I had also an international school experience, which is a shared experience for many, actually, um, that uh, people can be the same generation, but if you're out of the country, you don't get the same experiences, right, that people that lived here had. Um, so at the temple, that ethnic experience, too, of being... I don't know, being Japanese-American born in the 70s? It seems as an outsider to the, you know, let me rephrase that. I feel as though I'm sort of an outsider to the BCA because I didn't grow up as a Buddhist, Mm -hmm. so I'm coming to it from the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, it seems as though when you start thinking about the BCA, generation really matters. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Right, like... You know, the history of the BCA is tied up with Issei, Nisei, Sansei. You know, it's like it's it's part of the stories that are told about the community. So it becomes an issue, right? It's like it, it's sort of it's sort of foregrounded. Like what generation are you a part of? And I think that that generation of Issei, Nisei, Sansei makes a lot of sense. But it starts to get a little bit fuzzy mm-hmm. toward the end of the Sansei, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, much in the same way that generations, I think, in general get fuzzy, mm. which is the thing that we were, one of the things we were talking about at lunch, right, is it's like, well, 
what is Generation X? What are the sort of cutoffs for it? I, when I first became aware of um, Generation as, uh, X as a thing, I felt as though one of the um, one of the characteristics was that the the Generation X were kids who were born um, to parents of the baby boom generation, right, right. within a particular span of years, right? Mm. And I'm sort of the, the the tail end of that span. At the same time, if that's true, then it doesn't really explain you, because right. <laughs> right. your parents were not baby boom generation right. parents, but you're within that same time span. So it mm-hmm. already starts to get a little like, well, what do we mean by that? And if you look at the way people do how um, sociologists and, and whatnot look at generations, there's lots of, there's a whole body of literature. Mm-hmm. There's a rabbit hole on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think it gets even fuzzier with Generation Y and the millennial generations of what what generations are we talking about? Where do these cutoffs begin and end? A lot of it has to do with cultural connections. My wife is a few years younger than me, and I think that she might in some ways very much identify with Generation X, but she also has a lot of cultural reference in her life, which are... I'm just clueless of, because mm-hmm. apparently I'm an old man. Um, you're not no disagreement head. for me. <laughs> and you're older than I am. Right. Old man. That's the sad thing. <laughs> so there's this weird mixture of like uh, connection to a particular time frame, but also cultural reference, mm-hmm. which complicate things, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's not as easy. And yet, so when you look at the BCA, like generations really, really matter. And in the first, second, and to a large extent, mm-hmm. third generation, those experiences easily track to ethnic and racial experiences based on immigration experiences, based on internment, based on um, racist US, U.S. immigration laws and mm-hmm. everything else. And so there's a sort of shared generational slash ethnic experience. And I don't really know what happens after that mm-hmm. with the fourth generation, fifth generation um, right, right, right. And then the community also becomes less, it's still in, in some ways defined by the Japanese American experience, but it's less defined that way. So mm-hmm. now there's people who are not Japanese American who are part of the community right. who might be the same age as a third generation or a fourth generation Japanese American, but a very different cultural experience. Right. So it gets complicated. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I was thinking. Um, I hate to backtrack, but just that um, for me, I think rock and roll was one of the cutoff points, uh, generational cutoff points. So people mm-hmm. that liked rock and roll and people that were pre-rock and roll. And my dad was pre-rock and roll. But right now, I'm 45 and I can hang out with someone in their 70s and they're post-rock and roll. They're like, you know, they went to the Fillmore. <laughs> they grew up <laughs> hanging out at the Fillmore and at these right. clubs, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, you're way older than me, <clears throat> but I totally identify with you because that's... But I'm also kind of backwards looking in many ways. Growing up, I always preferred music from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And I grew up so that I was... 12 and 82, right? And so like as coming into pop music, I listened for like a a few months and I was like, this music sucks. (laughs) Like I just really didn't like the pop music of the 80s. And it was like, come on, Eileen. And um, I ran. You had to hang on to it, man. You got to like like, I can appreciate parts of it now, (laughs) but just like even now, I don't like the way the production sounds. It was like, but it was a massive cultural shift too in the 80s. Early 80s was a huge and being able to record cheaper Um, so like music changed radically and I think it took a really long time to equalize if it ever did Um, and you know there's something to say for the the kind of egalitarian aspect where you don't more and more you don't have to have like depend on the old guard to be able to do it you can do it yourself 
the DIY thing, I think, really started late 70s, early 80s, but then more electronic is where it went wrong for me. Um, but then, you know, so like, I don't know. I just feel like I was kind of almost born in the wrong time, but many people feel probably that way, sure. I'm sure. Right, yeah. You're also um, looking at a very narrow slice of music. I mean, pop music, yeah, I'm totally with you. A lot of pop music sucked, but there was a lot of other underground stuff. You know, noise we're talking about, for example. It was big mm-hmm. in the 80s, and noise is awesome. It's really easy to listen to. You can get, really get into it. It's very <laughs> melodic. <laughs> was there that much noise music in the 80s? <laughs> I don't know. Another rabbit hole, look up Japanese noise yeah, music. Yeah, Japanese noise um, music, Mertzbo. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Space Machine. <laughs> But I think a lot of the noise stuff was actually nostalgic back to the 70s and 80s, um, and that it wasn't happening in the 80s. Yeah, sure was. Like who? You just told me. <laughs> Mertzbo was like a little bit later. I think well, that stuff was kind of, I don't know. Anyway. Well, <laughs> anyway. Well, what else was good in the 80s? I don't... I appreciated stuff that came out late 80s, like Fish was definitely late 80s, um, and uh, that kind of thing. But like... Even the like like the 70s bands that were creative were kind of like on the decline through the 80s. And then the new stuff was being created under these like less stringent conditions. So it wasn't as good, it seems like, like Flock of Seagulls. I mean, I'm like, I've bought yeah, that again, album. So, yeah, yeah. So again, like that's a very narrow band of like, yeah. there was a lot of very, very popular music that was coming out in the 80s that gets all the airplay, but that's just like a slice of right. pop music, right? So right. if you look at underground, you know, the punk scene continued on to the 80s. Right, right. Oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, they were good. Less, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. They became I mean, pop later. But, they became, you know, the, yeah, the, definitely. And definitely yeah. in the in the mid-80s when they started, when they first started out, they were right. really. Um, the early kind of. They were really, like, interesting in terms oh, yeah. of what they were doing. She wouldn't give me a Pepsi. All I wanted was Well, that's suicidal tendencies. That's right. not. <laughs> That's 80s. That's 80s. Early, right? mid-80s, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying there's a lot of different music out there and lots of little gems, right, mm-hmm. that, that would have been interesting that, um, that you know, to just to dismiss an entire decade of artistic production, I think, is just... Early 80s, okay. It's just wrong. Late 80s, mm-hmm. yeah. Little bad. Mid-80s, a terrible 80s, just a morass. Of- <laughs> but this is actually relevant because this is kind <laughs> is of... It? Yeah, because this is kind of one of the things we were talking about, right, mm-hmm. about how generational um, affinity and how um, you sort of like begin to identify as a particular generation and that becomes part of who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Part of your identity. And then that sort of uh, desire to seek out other people who have that same sort of affinity that you do in terms mm-hmm. of a generational affinity, then that becomes what? That becomes part of your community and that becomes a click and that becomes part of mm-hmm. creating a way in which you can sort of differentiate, you know, insiders from outsiders, right? Like mm-hmm. we are members of Generation X, so therefore we have this sort of um, cultural identity, and we're different from other generations, mm-hmm. either better or worse. Mm-hmm. Usually better. Right. <laughs> Those people younger than us, they younger didn't than know us. record players. Right. Share this. They if don't you know, know what this is. Right. They like don't know what they're talking about. Right. You know, kids today. Right. Get off my lawn. Get off my kind of lawn. Stuff, yeah. um, and that and that happened. And you know, and the old generations doing the same thing to us, right? Where mm-hmm. they have the same sort of sort of derision or, or condescension toward us that we then in turn inflict on younger generations. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're right. It's, right. it's the important thing. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is one of the things I hate when someone says to me, you know, they ask, what kind of music do you like? And I say, you know, groups that I like or bands that I like. And they're like, what do you mean? Why are you listening to that? That's what I listen to. And it's like, well, you don't own it. Yeah. Um, you know, that to me, that's a golden age. And I'm going to sure. look back to that instead of being stuck with what comes out when I'm around, you know, but 
Yeah. But that's also cultural in a way that you couldn't do that 100 years ago because you, it's only your memory of it. You didn't have recordings. Like technology drives it in a way too. Of sure. So like having the ability to record what happened before and listen to it again and be able to watch old TV shows or listen to old music. And that that is also maybe a fudging of boundaries too, that many people of a certain generation will listen to what's current or, or, or just only exist in what's current. And yet we have the opportunity to dig, dig into what came before and to learn. And, but that's always been the case with like art or whatever, that, you know, you're not stuck with only looking at the current artwork, you go to a museum, you see the classics, the art, the the, um, the masters, right? And we have that ability to um, look backwards. As long as we can that. agree with the kids today. Well, yeah, I have no disagreement there. Get off my lawn. That's the important thing. That's the big takeaway from today's episode. But as far as BCA goes, and we mentioned earlier about the... Um, the importance of generations, and that I think a lot of the history of BCA has been a kind of these structures based on generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like groups that form specifically around generations. Right. Like the young and the early ones were just the original ones, right. but then their children, it's like, what do we do with them once they become adults? Right. They need their own group. Yeah. Or they feel like we need our own group because our parents won't let go yeah. and they won't let us do what we want to do, so we'll have ABBA. Adult Buddhist Association. I really right. thought you were going to go for the band there. I was like, Abba? We're on Abba now? <laughs> Just one B. <laughs> and then Yaba, Young Adult Buddhist Association. Yeah, yeah. And you end up with Yaba members in their 30s, 40s, 50s. They're not young adults, mm-hmm. but they can't join Abba because that group is aging up. Mm-hmm. So Yaba then ages up, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the sad thing. Is that the, the generations in BCA, that's one of the difficulties we've had, I think, is that generations get so solidified that the fluidity kind of disappeared mm-hmm. between the different groups, and it became more of a struggle to become leadership of the temple because the older a generation wouldn't let go. And I think it's less the case now, but I think for decades that was happening, right? That um, temple leadership, the, the, the current group, wouldn't let go, and they got older and older and older. And they're finally, they're like, okay, you guys need to take it over. And I'm like, well, what do we do? We haven't done it for the past 30, 40 years. <laughs> you know, we're like in our 50s now, and we don't know what to do because you yeah. never let us do it. So I think that generational conf- conflict between the generations has been like a driving dynamic of, of the BCA. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It'd be interesting to look at that in comparison to other groups. Right. Other ethnic religious groups, but other, other groups as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because I, I wonder how, like, how much of that is just sort of, and part of it is just sort of, I don't, I don't want to use the word, sort of the natural human tendency, but I, I do feel as though as a social species, we sort of tend to like create groups mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we institutionalize those groups mm-hmm. and then, you know. And territories and other aspects. And territories, territory. God forbid we let go yep. of that and, you know, yep. and, and trying to perpetuate a religious institution, you sort of have to, you can't be, you can't be too attached to that. You can't be... Um, because then I think it's done, right? Then, then you can't move forward. Because then, you know, then the same people are in charge forever. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing, depending on, you know. How much you're willing on. to share responsibility. I mean, yeah, I think when, yeah, yeah. when you just cling on to it and can't let go and don't share, then you're not teaching. I think mm-hmm. that's something that oh, didn't happen in BCA. That's an interesting question. A yeah. lot of times, mm-hmm. nothing, they, they weren't teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that in the um, BWA, Buddhist Women's Association, Fujinkai kind of thing, where um, a, a group of people is responsible for sushi rolling 
and sushi seems to be one of the main things. And there are these kind of waves when people say, you know, you got to teach the younger generation. Oh, okay. You're doing it wrong. You're rolling it too tight. They don't know how to teach. They don't know how to share their knowledge. And I think that might be an Asian thing or a Japanese thing of do it right. And you don't get a chance to ask. Just do it right. And we're going to criticize you. Come on, put up with it and do it right. <laughs> you know, it's a very like Asian style of education. And maybe that was another thing too of this kind of ethnic. Yeah,、um, so I wonder like, because you started off、uh, a long time ago now, this episode. You said something about、um, feeling. I was going to say a long time ago, like three years ago. <laughs> This episode is going on forever. <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking.、Um, a while ago, you said something about、um, feeling like you're alone. I think is the、mm-hmm. word you use. Like, there's not a lot of people in your generation. So I'm wondering if there's some of these generational conflicts that make it difficult for younger people to find an entree into the community. Maybe so. Yeah. That would explain. So that that would be the question. And I don't. I'm. You know. I, I don't know. That's just a question. And but maybe that's a key. Like this.、Um, Understanding how to pass on your knowledge,、mm-hmm. and like, if you're and if you're、uh, and talking about yeah, if you're talking about younger generations who might not be accustomed to a particular teaching style, it、mm-hmm. might not be,、um, you know. Again, I think that the、um, the the easy association between BCA generations and ethnicity breaks down after the third generation. So、mm-hmm. now you're in a situation where the fourth generation is not strictly speaking Japanese American. Right,、um, it's much more diverse. Um, both at the individual level and the community level, and so then you've got lots of different kinds of people who might be like, "You, you're yelling at me about mochi. I, why would I want to hang around?"、Yeah. Um, and then, then you, it should be no surprise. Then there'd be less people. But I wonder then about the fifth generation, and this is where I get fuzzy about generational things because it's like, I, you know, I have a daughter who's four and a half, and you were saying that you have some people who are basically our age. You have kids who are like in junior high and high school. It's like I also feel like I waited a while to have kids,、mm-hmm. and so I, well, think my- I think you were the age, almost the age of my dad when he had me. But that's normal now. Yeah,、and、right. Exactly. Right. So、then. it's like my generation is like 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 I my、it's- kids have skipped over a couple generations, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. it's like the younger people who are even. Teenagers still, or whatever, like, are they going to have a completely different experience with the BCA and find a different way in? Like, this is just interesting questions. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think it. The quick association we make with generations doesn't necessarily make sense anymore. I think things are much more complicated.